Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Just gathering some information on how to set up this segment. I asked Fiddy if he had a soundbite from Scott Fitter. He said that he does. And this one was saved by our boy Shroppy. Although, is that his nickname anymore? We've had four different changes, right, Fiddy? At first it was Coco. Then it went to Shroppy. Then I believe it went to, what, Turd Ferguson? I really like Turd Ferguson. Well, I'm sure you do. And then it went to, what was it, Shroppy Do? That's what it is now. So if if he's no longer Turd Ferguson, can I start calling you Turd Male? Why would you do that? Uh, I mean, lanky ass doesn't get the job done. Um, it's not, it doesn't come across as offensive as I want to be. Um, you like when I call you slim. I mean, it's fine. I don't know if I, (laughs) I don't know if I relish it every time that you say it, but it's a fine nickname. You know, but I think, I mean, if if I woke up in the morning, I got to send turd a text. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would really be a great way to start my day. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and we'll see what happens, uh, if you do that. All right. So we have this from Shroppy writing in though. And he said, what, what is, what is the way that he labeled the soundbite? From this, uh, from this uh, presser from Frank Reich, how how did he label it? So he has a cut from Frank Reich, and it is labeled "Showering Situation was a unique memory from starting here in '95." LMAO. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like Troppy just providing commentary for every soundbite. Now he's going to get carried away from it, but it is hilarious to hear Troppy just saying, "All right, I'm just going to give you my commentary on it as well." Feel free to text in 704-570-9610. Okay, so. Let's get to what they were discussing. You have Scott Fitterer soundbite on Steve Wilkes, whether he had a shot. He was talking about the chances of him actually getting this head coaching job. Here's what the Panther GM had to say. No, he had, he had a legitimate shot. Uh, definitely, like, you have to give him respect for what he did for this team during the year. He, he did a heck of a job leading this. Uh, he's, a, he's a great man. But when it came down to it, you know, I'm not going to compare Frank to Steve or anyone else. I mean, Frank, during the interview process, really separated himself. But then, first time he came in, he was dialed in, laid out his plan. Then when he came back in the second time, he took that plan, went deeper, went to a different level. That's that's what separated um, You know, all respect in the world to Steve. Uh, he did a great job for us. You know, players loved him. Everybody in the building loved him. Uh, it was, this wasn't a Stephen Frank thing. This was... Can you elaborate? So a couple things here. One, I don't know what Scott Fitterer could have said. And I think it's a tough situation for Fitterer because I'm not sure he made the call. I don't know. I would imagine that David Tepper is the one that was the final say on who was going to become the head coach. And we all know about the interview process. Shane Steichen, apparently, according to Benjamin Albright, was not a finalist for this job because the interview process did not go well. They loved what they heard from Frank Reich. And I don't know if we heard anything bad about Steve Wilkes' interview. I don't know if it was praised by any reporting, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was, and I just don't remember it being ever said out there. What do you make of Scott Fitterer's comments about whether Steve Wilkes 
had a shot to get this head coaching job and the chances he actually did have. I mean, just like you said, he was in a tough spot. I mean, what could he have said to appease uh, what people would have wanted to hear? I mean, you know, but uh, people kill me when they go to the like, well, the players loved him and everybody loved him here and this, that, and the third. But it didn't sound like, you know, he was showing a lot of love to finish third in the process from what we heard with everything um, that he had done. So, you know, I don't know that I gleaned a lot from what he said about the situation, and I don't think we'll ever get the truth about why he was or why he finished where he did in the process. Yeah, and some other comments from Scott Fitterer, too, just about the draft. He did say this, quote, in an ideal world, the Panthers would draft and develop a QB, but he does not want to box the team into doing that this year if they're not sure on a guy in this draft. And he does say that scouting process, the scouting process is just beginning. I believe Nick Carboni had that tweet who put that out there. I think they're going to draft a QB. And of course it is going to come down to the draft, the the scouting process. Mm -hmm. We are so far away from the actual draft taking place where there's going to be a lot of information gathered through the combine. I know Scott Fitter is actually going down to the senior bowl tonight. So he's going to make his way down there. Hendon hooker there who can't play or anything, but Hendon hooker is there and we'll see about some of that evaluation, but I get the feeling that the Carolina Panthers are going to draft a QB and even fitter said too, if you have your guy, then you got to go get him, which means put together a package of assets in order to move up the NFL draft and then figure out if that's C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young and figure out a way to get the job done. Um, I, I I get that feeling, Wes. Do you get that same feeling? Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, if they don't go get it, meaning a quarterback, it's like, who else do you feel great about that you look at in the mocks and feel like this could really make a difference for this team next year to help start the process of getting them over the hump? I mean, sure, if you get a pass rusher, okay, yeah, that'll help a little bit. But it's not, when you look at this roster in its totality, you're not going to come into next season, uh, especially we don't know what the other teams in the NFC South will do, but you're not going to look at this team as a bona fide contender in the playoffs if you get that. Uh, We don't know what next year's quarterback draft will hold besides the two guys that we think will be at the top of it. But it's like this draft has some guys that maybe you do feel like they can change the fortunes of your franchise. And if those guys are up there, then you have to go get them. I mean, the mock draft I'm looking at now has Will Levis going at two and Bryce Young and CJ Stroud going at four and five. If that scenario plays itself out, you have to go and try to grab one of those guys. If they start to fall like that, I think this mock draft though, just being Frank is comical that Will Levis all of a sudden is a better prospect than, either one of the other two. I mean, it's just, I mean, you could see it. You could see it happening though. Like, I don't think it's going to either, but you're frustrated because I just just don't understand how this stuff happens. I just, I I just really don't. I mean, it's just like the, your Trubisky went to and everybody knows that, you know, I work for the ACC digital network. I saw all these guys at nauseum. And when they started talking about Mitch Trubisky going in the top two or three, I almost threw up. (laughs) <laughs> like he was a good college quarterback, yes. But how you put him over Deshaun Watson, the guy that I think is was the greatest player in ACC history, and, and then you look at Patrick Mahomes, and nobody knew he was going to turn into what he did. But just the fact that he had been vaulted over, over Deshaun, Deshaun was the weird Watson. one. Deshaun was the weird one. And now you're looking at Mike Jess, where it, it's realistic that 
Will Levis could go over Bryce Young, a Heisman Trophy winner, a guy that was dominant at the highest levels, and C.J. Stroud, okay, whatever. I'm just saying all that to say, if C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young somehow fall, you have to go up and get them. I don't think there's any way the Panthers can pass up uh, a quarterback with the amount of guys that you're going to have that are first-round caliber. I don't see another position in the top 10 that can change the fortunes of your franchise, or I don't see another player in the top 10 that can change the fortunes of your franchise. Yeah, because this is a team that's had a lot of success drafting in the first round. They've drafted very good players, and they've only had a few misses over the years where I think Marty Herney, when he was drafting in the first round, really the only miss that I can so I can think of, Jeff Ota. We've done this before, but it was Jeff Ota. That was after they drafted Jonathan Seward. And you're talking about Vernon Butler that was under Dave Gettleman when they drafted him. If you want to go Kelvin Benjamin, he had an awesome rookie season. But some of that was more so garbage time where he actually posted some stats and then eventually got hurt. They make it to the Super Bowl that year that he gets hurt. And we know what happened with KB getting traded and then doesn't do anything else. Other than that, the first round pick has been very good. Who could be that player for you? And does that go to the wayside if you miss on a QB? Maybe. But I want to take a shot at QB because you have not done that in quite some time. And Cam Newton didn't give you a, a reason to go draft a QB, right? Like you were set for a while, right? It was fantastic. You had number one overall selection and you nailed it. And that was a sports illustrated cover. We can all remember with Cam Newton, Blaine Gabbert, Jake Locker. Who's the guy you choose? Well, it ended up being very clear that Cam Newton was the right decision in hindsight and Carolina reaped the benefits of that by having an MVP QB and then going to the Super Bowl. But I mean, since then they've drafted Will Greer, they've drafted Matt Corral and Matt Corral gets hurt. Will Greer, you know, now I don't even know where he is. I know he's with the Cowboys for a little bit, but I have no clue where Will Greer is at this moment. It's time. Like I'm, I'm here for trading up and getting CJ Stroud. If he falls to a certain point, it's going to be an insane amount at number one. I just can't see it happening, Wes. It's going to be way too much of a, a haul of assets that you're going to have to give up in order to move up to number one, probably two, probably three as well. But that four or five range, I think that's where you're talking about some kind of realistic opportunity for them to move up at that spot and then select Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, whoever the QB is that you like the most. And as you mentioned from Benjamin Albright, as he was on these airwaves with Mac and Bone, he said C.J. Stroud, what he's hearing is the apple of the Carolina Panthers' eye. Yeah, and if that's the case, you have to go get him. If you really, truly feel like he is going to turn the fortunes of your franchise to me, I won't say there's no price you won't pay, but it has to be a super-duper steep one for you not to go make this move. Because not only that, it just injects some incitement and excitement into the fan base. Uh, it gives people hope for the future. And it gets people talking about the Carolina Panthers, which is what you want. 100%. It, plus, it would be fun. Right. I mean, That's I, what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I know fun. I know. Fun doesn't always mean right. Like, I, I'm not trying to say, oh, yeah, just draft a skill position player every mm -hmm. year. Obviously, I'm not saying that. But it would be really exciting. Right. <laughs> I mean, just even from an entertainment standpoint, yes, give me C.J. Stroud, please. Bryce Young would be awesome in this draft. That would be fantastic if they're able to move up and go get that particular player i would love to see what they can do and then try to put weapons around them this is a question we didn't get to yesterday but i am interested do you think that it's going to be a balanced draft for this carolina panthers team so much of it is is going to be whether they move up and 
give away picks to go get their quarterback, right? So you can only be so balanced if you have, I don't know, four selections, something like that. But overall, do you think that they're going to end up with 50-50, somewhere in that realm, 60-40 defense offense? Or do you think they are going to focus more so on one particular area with this team, um, especially with a new offensive-minded head coach and the way that they did focus on defense a couple of years ago where they're the only team in NFL history to draft all defensive players with seven picks. Yeah, I think they certainly will make this an offensive-heavy draft. I think they're going to try their best this offseason to get Frank Reich the tools that he needs to implement the type of offense he wants. I think defensively, they're not 100% thrilled with where they are, but I think they are – pretty happy with where they're at right now defensively and they'll tweak it and they'll they'll add a few things to that as well but as far as just the guys that they've got on that side of the ball if you look at it okay if we didn't do anything with the offense defensively would we feel comfortable with it and I think you can with a few tweaks here and there I don't think that needs as much work as the offensive side of the ball when you talk about adding weapons and some depth on the offensive line or another starter so I think that the majority of the draft will be offensive players. Uh, Wolfpack James wrote in, I'm with you, Wes. There's no excuse for a team to draft Levis before Stroud or Young. 704 number wrote in, we can't trade up for five foot 10, 190-pound Bryce Young. He'll get destroyed, and we're drafting a QB again in two years. Oh, I was just saying, you know, people dissing his height. He's six feet, if I'm not mistaken. I, yeah, it, this might be something where he's listed <laughs> a little above that. Was your weight... And height correct in your program when people would come watch Wake Forest? Yes. It was? Mm-hmm. How many people are lied about? Like, would, would you ever make fun of anybody on your roster where it's like, oh, come on, this program is lying? I I can't think of anybody either that we played against or on our own team that they embellished uh, their size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't think of anybody. Nobody else. But, yeah, so we'll see if Bryce Young is actually six foot. But he is he's a tiny guy. He's not Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is real tiny. And I get that way of thinking. I just, I just can't, I'm not going to go against Bryce Young if that's who I trust. And I trust Bryce Young running my football team. And again, we have a lot of time before we actually get to the NFL draft, but I would be just fine taking Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Is he, everybody talks about the SEC, like it's an NFL farm system. So if he's big enough to play in the SEC, like which one is it? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm just fine. Fitty, you're also a big Bryce Young fan, right? Over CJ Stroud, even though he had a, a really good game against Georgia. Yeah, I was until I heard Ian Wharton come on the Mac and bone show. I think it was yesterday morning. I would probably end up drafting Stroud over, over, over Bryce Young with, with the first quarterback off the board. Uh, what if, happened if, there? What happened with the, the sound that you got Ian Wharton changing your mind completely. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, the, the, the way that I think the Stroud that you saw in the Georgia game is who he's going to be in the NFL. Ooh. And I really think Ryan day really held him back. Cause they were so scared of him getting hurt. Like Justin Fields got hurt mm-hmm. that year. They went to the national title game. And I mean, dude, he was throwing darts. I mean, and look, like, like, look, Bryce Young picked apart Georgia's defense the year before in the sec title game. But that that performance by Stroud that night, that was surgical. Fitty, you know what I'm going to remind you of, though. We tried to have this conversation and ask who had a better performance between C.J. Stroud against Georgia and Sam Darnold against the Saints, and you tried to tell me who won the football game. Hey, and now you want C.J. Stroud? 
Hey, I'm just saying winning <laughs> winning matters, uh, turd. Oh, I, we're not going to start wow. that. We're not going to start all that. <laughs> yeah. That is the worst kind of bleep take I've ever heard. And now you want C.J. Stroud over Sam Darnold, who won the game against the Saints. But now you want the guy that didn't win the game. Don't, make don't it come, make sense. Don't come at me for my takes when you use block rate percentage to value to justify See, you still can't get it Washington's, right. Yep. You're saying block rate percentage frequency when it's just block percentage. And it's, it's such a, it's a you were just making up stats in that moment to make PJ Washington seem like a really good NBA player mm-hmm. when he's, he's really not. Well, and then right. when, <laughs> block rate percentage. And then you want to say screen assist. I love Doug. That's Branson because I'm a basketball junkie. Yeah. Well, I, well, I go ahead. If I could interject really quick, mm-hmm. uh, and I know we got to get out of here, but can I remind people the year that Georgia won the national title and they had all these great players and all that stuff that mm-hmm. Bryce Young went in the first game, 421, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and in the second time he saw him, uh, 369. Now, he did have one touchdown and two interceptions, but, I mean, I'm just saying that, you know. Bryce did he Young, win the game? He did not win the second one, but he did win the first one. Well, that's the, all that matters. The SEC championship. If that's all that matters. I want a winner, baby. I don't care if you dissect the Georgia defense. Even if you throw if you don't 120 win, yards. Give me Sam Darnold. That's right. Do you see that 50 yards he threw against the Saints? <laughs> he won the game, and that's who I won as my future QB. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're back. The Weston Walker Show on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Walker and I were just talking about the quarterback position, a position everybody wants to know about. Frank Reich addressed that today during his introductory press conference. And we're just going to get right to it. Did he play the hits? What did Reich say about the quarterback position for those who missed it? You got to have stability at quarterback. The good thing that I've learned in my past experience here, uh, in the past experience in a few years, is we learned how to adapt to different styles of quarterbacks, but that's not the ideal situation, right? So we, Mr. Tepper, Scott, myself, have to commit to what's our blueprint, where, how are we going to maintain stability at quarterback, make a plan, and then execute that plan. So you heard it right there, and he will be on the Kyle Bailey show at 3 o'clock as well. Talking and Walker. So what do you glean from that? Because I think what he said addressed many scenarios. Let's say the Panthers went out and got Derek Carr, for instance. Okay, well, he'll have to adapt to that because he's not an RPO guy. If he goes out and gets C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, then that will bring a different type of offense to this team. So uh, what did you take from his comments as far as what the Panthers may be thinking about how they want to address it, if anything at all. I think they want to address it, right? I think they want to draft somebody in the first round because now the pressure's on, especially with you drafting an offensive mind. Wes, even if we didn't think that should affect what you do in the first round, I do think that probably does affect what they're going to do, Mm -hmm. right? Even if you had Steve Wilkes, Wilkes always talked about how he wanted a QB, I don't care what other candidate you would have brought in, even just disregarding Wilkes, whether you brought in Steichen, Kellen Moore, whatever. I think the plan is to go get a quarterback. Of course, there's going to be a price, and Scott Fitterer is a little hesitant to commit fully because you don't know what happens on draft day. There's so many different moving parts. A team can jump ahead of you. A team could be willing to give up three first-round picks, and maybe that's just too much for you. So I understand Scott Fitter not wanting to fully commit, but with Frank Reich talking about it, with Fitterer discussing it, yeah, I I do think they want to draft a guy. And and what's interesting here, too, is Frank Reich had a sit-down. You're you're starting to get all of the the after-the-fact type of comments, right? 
different media publications are talking with Reich. He's going to be joining, as you mentioned, the Kyle Bailey show right at the top of the hour here at three o'clock. As soon as we hand off the baton to Kyle, he's going to be discussing a lot of things with Frank Reich. So make sure you're here on 92.7 FM WFNZ. But Frank Reich also talked about with Will Kunkel that he'll, uh, quote, likely call the plays this season. Will Kunkel put this out on Twitter at Will Kunkel Fox. He said, I've done that my whole career. I'll probably do that. Call plays. And so we're starting to get some questions at least attempted to be answered. We're starting to get a little bit of a lean one way or the other on what Frank Reich is thinking, being the offensive minded head coach of this Carolina Panthers team. Um, And I think it all leads to them very heavily favoring drafting a QB if it goes their way. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's going to want to find a guy that can fit his system. It will be interesting to see what vision he has, what he wants. Does he have a preference? That would be something I think uh, would be interesting. Like between well. QBs? Yeah, and, and it just – we talked about the veteran scenarios as well. Like, does he have a preference in his mind? Because uh, he wasn't necessarily asked about that. He's just saying that he'll adapt to whoever that he has. But does he have a preference in his mind already? Does he have that plan at quarterback for what he thinks? I'm sure he probably expressed this – during his interview process, um, he probably told him, hey, if we stick with the draft pick, I like this guy. I like that guy. If we try to go the veteran route, I like this guy. I like that guy. How does he feel uh, about Sam Donald as well? I think all those are interesting questions as well. What type of offense does he want to implement? We talked about the Eagles uh, drops that he had in there and talking about that. Is that the type of offense he envisions here in Carolina having a quarterback that can run a la Jalen hurts and be a threat passing the football as well. Well, what's interesting too, is he talked about some of the quarterbacks that have been in his system before. And he mentioned having success with Carson Wentz. And I immediately went back to Indianapolis. Like, no, you didn't. I mean, that was not a great offense. You probably got as much as you could from him in Indianapolis because he's not very good. But I did not think about the RPO system that was so great with him, you know, being a threat to run. But it's like, oh, wait, no, he's talking about Philadelphia. He's talking about the second year of Wentz's career where he was an MVP candidate before he goes down. And then eventually it's Nick Foles working in that offense and leading that team to a Super Bowl. And so you had that with some mobility. I would not call Matt Ryan mobile in the slightest. Okay, so that guy's not there. Philip Rivers. Also not mobile. Jacoby kind of. Jacoby can run. I mean, he's not lightning quick. He runs good enough. Yeah, good enough, right? But he's not this crazy threat. I I guess if you go down the list, was it Andrew Luck and Carson Wentz that were the most mobile? Right? Like, I guess that's what I kind of go. And and Jacoby in there a little bit. He he can pick up some yards. But for the most part, maybe Andrew Luck was the most mobile QB that he had. And then he retires. And, you know, it's it's such a, a shambles type of position for Indianapolis. So I, I am interested, how how much do you open it up with someone like Bryce Young, who absolutely can run the football? So there, there's quite a bit of questions to be asked about that position and how that QB would fit in a Reich system, because if he's going to call plays, then you know it's going to be an interesting dynamic between those two. Well, all of the quarterbacks that have played, especially the ones that played in the Final Four, but a lot of the playoff quarterbacks in the NFL did have a added ingredient of mobility so i'm sure that they will want right. that and then when you talk about mobility and running from things okay carolina can't run from this football schedule that they have i'm talking about the, the north heels. carolina tar heels we talked about acc football schedule earlier 
And, folks, this North Carolina schedule is daunting. It's one of the tougher ones I've seen in quite some time. But I gave Carolina credit for this. They're not scared. They're not scheduling a bunch of cupcakes on the schedule. Now, Mac Brown may be running scared with some of the comments that we heard. But, folks, listen, the Tar Heels open with the South Carolina Gamecocks. Then App State, you know App loves to play ACC competition. They get up for that. We know what a game they played last year. Then Minnesota, rowing the boat. P.J. Fleck and the crew, they will play them as well. That is a brutal opening three. Then you go to ACC play at Pitt. We know what Pitt has represented under Pat Narduzzi, hard-hitting, front seven, tough football. Syracuse, I guess if you want to call them a break, but they were a bold team last year. Garrett Schrader and the crew will be uh, back there. Miami, who knows what you're going to get out of them in year two under Cristobal. UVA, what they, will be, what they will be in year two under Tony Elliott. Georgia Tech, hey, Georgia Tech came in last year when a lot of people didn't expect them to and got a dub at Chapel Hill. Campbell, okay, that's the break of sorts. And then they finished with Duke, who went 9-4 and four last year, the Clemson Tigers, and NC State, man. That is one heck of a schedule. Mac Brown took a little bit of umbrage to the fact that the schedule is so tough to one Josh Fitty Marlowe. Took big issues but with that, but Walker, what do you well, make? Well, yes. Fitty is angry because Mac is not making any sense here. Like here's what Mac Brown had to say before the schedule was released. So he sees it. And then we get to see it not too far after that. This is what Mac Brown had to say about the schedule. You'll see, they did not do us any favors. It's really, really difficult. We start tough and we finish with an unbelievably tough. So I'm disappointed. I told them I didn't like it. I didn't think it was fair. Now you went through the schedule and Wes, I know we got rid of divisions this year, okay? You got some Atlantic squads on this schedule, but you really don't have that many. I mean, NC State, yes, an Atlantic team, but you already play them at the end of every season, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't really matter. You do have Clemson at the end, on the road, tough game, no doubt, but, okay, this is what Atlantic teams have always had to deal with, too. You know what other true road games you have? Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh. Yep. That's it. I I don't get it, but far be it for me and to steal. Uh, far be it for me to steal all of the thunder because Fiddy, I know this is something that you wanted to do this entire show. You wanted to go to the foul line against Mac Brown. Go ahead, Fiddy, blow the whistle. Fired up. They'll look at this to see whether this is a flagrant. That was scary. I don't even, I don't even know if I want to see that again. You've got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> This is a flagrant two foul because this should get his ass out of Chapel Hill and firmly in a uh, retirement home ASAP. Because this is weak sauce, man. You're you're a power five coach. And all you have done for the last two years is cry and complain and whine about the attention that your team got leading up to the season where you said, nah, well, we're overrated. Well, get your ass to work and coach your kids harder to make them worthy of the all the hype they got going in as a preseason top 10 team. And then this year, I mean, when everything was falling apart at the end of the stretch, it was just excuse after excuse after excuse. And then here we are, you know, you're introducing a new defensive back coach, which we're really excited about in Chapel Hill. They got an upgrade over Dre Bly, even though that wasn't hard to do. 
and you go on this this little two-minute rant about, well, they didn't do us any favors, and it's really, really hard. You've got the second-best quarterback in the country. <laughs> I don't want to hear how hard it is. Instead of projecting all this positivity and that we think we got a chance to compete, you basically just told your players, we don't got a chance to win. We can't win the level we that we want to win at here. So I'm done. Yeah, I mean, just literally retire. Because in, in the modern era of college football, he's an above-average head coach at best. No one even probably remembers he was the coach of the Texas team that beat USC in that classic Rose Bowl. They'll remember Vince Young long before they'll remember Mac Brown's name. I'm over this guy. I, it's... Thank you, thank you, thank you. You've given me a reason to no longer be invested in Tar Heel football. I will reserve all my emotions for Carolina basketball. It was a great rant. I do think you missed an opportunity when you said go to a retiring home, at retirement home ASAP. You should have said AARP, but that would have been still it's still <laughs> an A plus rant from you. And I totally agree. There are people writing into the text line. At least 704 number wrote in and said it's not about the who they play. It's about the layout. Even then. I don't care. You play two true road games by November 18th. That is it. So you wanted Clemson in a different spot. This is what it is. You wanted Clemson in a different spot. That's all. That that's the ang- that's the the part of the schedule that you don't like. That's so what you, you wanted. We want to lose in September, October, or November because you're going to go there and get your ass kicked. I don't get it. I don't get it. I know you don't really. Yeah, I think just from a player's perspective, I think that is a little bit of an indictment. Say, hey, coach, you know, you're supposed to say that we can compete no matter who we're playing against, no matter where we're playing against them. I can see it's great, but that's stuff you keep behind closed doors. Uh, To me, like I agree with Fiddy, that's not giving your players the biggest bit of confidence to feel like that they can go into this season and have the type of season that they want. Is it tough? Could they have broken it up differently? Could you maybe swap out a, a Syracuse and Virginia before you after you play South Carolina and App and then you go Minnesota Pitt? Okay. Could you have put Clemson maybe in the middle of the schedule? Okay, that's fine. And, and Duke as well. Uh, but it is a very tough schedule, but I just don't think that was a ringing endorsement Matt gave for his well, players yeah, to say something like that. 100%. And you know what else it kind of tells me? Are you scared of NC State? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, here you are talking about how tough the schedule is with the layout, where you have two road games in a row to end all of it, and one of them is against NC State. Are you admitting that you're scared? Like, I get it against Clemson to some degree. I don't want you to admit your fear of any program, but NC State is always there every single season, and now it's because of the Clemson slating where you wanted to be able to prepare for your rival? I don't... Yeah. Well, one thing y'all gonna stop doing, too, I'm gonna tell you right now. Y'all gonna stop, for one, making me into a Duke fan, and two, y'all gonna stop disrespecting Duke. This is a 9-4 football team that pounded UCF in the bowl game. They are going to be a factor in things uh, when it is all said and done. I had them on my top five games as far as their Clemson game out of the gate to see what they're going to look like. But Mac Brown is also including Duke when he talks about it ends unbelievably hard. This game went down to the wire last year. Duke is going to be smarting to get the Tar Heels back for what happened last season. And so for them to play them, then Clemson, then NC State uh, in successive weeks, 
that is a very difficult close to a season. So Duke is in that as well when he's talking about that. Yeah, at home. But yes, you're right. Yeah. Like I mean, it's it's definitely Duke on the road. But here's the thing: the schedule's tough altogether, and so mm-hmm. what you have is South Carolina at Minnesota at Pittsburgh. Tough four games, no doubt about it, at the beginning of the season. And then Miami's kind of tough. Like, you've already gone through this, but my my point in bringing it back up is no matter how it shakes, it's going to be a tough schedule. And, and, And then at that point, you're just wanting Mac Brown to set the schedule up himself so that he's okay with it. Nah, man, I'm sure there are a lot of different coaches out there that would rather have one game here and then another game there. It's not bad enough to come out with comments like this before everybody else sees it. Like, Mac Brown wants control over the schedule himself, and that's not how it works for any coach out there. Because my thing is, didn't he know that this was going to be the schedule? These schools schedule these games out years no, in advance. He, he wanted Campbell second to last to gear up for NC State. I'm with you, man. Right. Makes zero points. Yeah, Mac. I mean, that's that's not popping. All right, so before uh, we get out of here, Fitty, you got the last flash of the day for us or what? Uh, from one guy I want to rant about to another guy. Because this is all about publicity and wanting to make sure he's getting the recognition as he's on the verge of, of surpassing the, the NBA all-scoring, uh, the, the scoring record. But LeBron James is going to play at MSG for the first time in three years tonight. And I think my simple question is, is if he wasn't closing in on the record, he sat out last night's game against the Nets. Would he have played tonight too, or would he have just taken the night off as well? I think the answer is no, but because he's closing in on the mark, he wants to make sure in the world's most famous arena, he gets the love and the recognition he deserves and make sure that the fact that his team sucks and he is underwhelming overall is going to be overlooked as he chases down this historic mark. Yeah, I'm honestly excited to see it. I know I don't share that same. And you see, you're the problem. No, I am too, though. I'm not going to lie about that. Why? Is Wes the problem? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I knock LeBron, but I still call him the second greatest player of all time. And the fact that he's going into MSG tonight and hasn't played in three years, you know that he has a special performance in line for tonight. I don't know if they'll win or not, mm-hmm. but LeBron is going to put up monster numbers. So I, I, I don't know if you have Wes being the problem as well, despite agreeing with me on this. But why are we the problem? I'm going to lump him in here as well. Well, I thought you were talking about just him coming out to play tonight against the Knicks. I think when the when he passes the mark, yeah, that'll be a cool moment. But, like, tonight, like, this is strictly clutch saying, hey, you're in the world's most famous arena. You need to go out there and put on a show. So we continue to forget the fact your team's third, you know, uh, the third worst team in the Western Conference. That's not important. You chasing down this record's more important, and let's let's get a little bit closer in the world's most famous arena. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's a failure. D- does <laughs> that's that's what this season is. And we're we're the problem for not having him as a failure. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Honestly, I'm ready to see him at Madison Square Garden. It's always fun to see the stars play there, and uh, I'm glad we share the same opinion on LeBron. Yeah, guys like Jay Washington, he's a star. <laughs> Listen, when yes. we come back, I agree. what's on tap on this day in sports history when we return to mm-hmm. the Wesson Walker Show on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
We are wrapping up Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We heard from Frank Reich at 12 o'clock, the new Carolina Panthers head coach, and you'll be hearing from him again at the top of the Kyle Bailey Show. Kyle going to be talking with the new head coach in just a moment, right after we're done. He'll be speaking with him to lead off the show. Smoke Ludwig, of course, a part of that, and he'll take you the rest of the way until 6 p.m. Also, we have the Hornets broadcast. That'll be taking place tonight. They take on the Milwaukee Bucks, and that is what is going to be on tap. The Hornets, they take on Milwaukee. You also have Wake Forest and Duke going at it. So you're going to be watching. You have multiple TV situations. I have two TVs out there. So you'll be watching both games. All right, give me your predictions. Can the Hornets have the Milwaukee magic that they've had so many times in the last few years? And can Wake do something they haven't done in 26 seasons? I think Milwaukee took it personally what happened to them the last time. We know how Giannis and them get down. He's an old-school NBA player, so I think he's going to come in there and he's going to want that uh, teal blood tonight from the Hornets. So I think the Bucks get the dub there. I'm going to go out on the limb, man. Okay. All right. I'm going to say those Deeks are going to go in there for the first time since 1997 and get the dub in Cameron. I think they're sick and tired of being sick and tired tonight. They've lost close game after close game. I think tonight they are fed up and they're going in and get the job done. What do you think, Fiddy? You think Duke ends up winning as they have for the last 30 years? Yes. I I don't even know if it's close. Okay. To be honest with you. Wake Forest away from home. They don't play defense. They turn the ball over way too much. Well, they haven't been turning it over much the last few games. I said against a, Virginia or Pitt. I said away ball. from home. They turn the ball over. They don't play defense. I think Duke is starting to round into form a little bit. Well, that's what I'm saying against Pitt. They only had like um, six or seven turnovers. Thanks. And so I I, 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 I think Duke cruises to a probably 15, 20-point win. Damn, a team you. that can shoot going to win by 15 or 20. I mean, yeah, Duke uh, playing well at home undefeated. And that's you've seen that, too, I think, in college basketball. I don't know about, you know, every single conference, but I have noticed in quite a few of these conferences, at least at this point in the season, a lot of very good home records, like astonishingly good undefeated all across the board. You're seeing that in mid-majors. You're seeing that in the ACC right now. So um, we'll see if Duke is able to continue their undefeated streak at home. All right. What happened on this day in sports history? Fiddy, what you got? Uh, on this day in 1993, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills 52 to 17 in the Super Bowl. It was the Cowboys' third uh, Super Bowl and their then record sixth Super Bowl appearance. More importantly, the Bills became the first team to drop three in succession. Of course, yesterday was their fourth straight loss uh, in the big game. And then on this day in uh, 2015. With a 95, 91-85 win over the 76ers, the Hawks had a perfect 17-0 January, setting a new NBA record. The Hawks marked helped them pass the 1971-72 Lakers, who went 16-0 in December of 1971, and, and the 2013 Heat, who went 17-1 in March of, of 2013. Now, this man called me a homer, but I'm sure that there have been plenty of Super Bowls played on this day and yesterday, but we get back-to-back Cowboys uh, Super Bowl championship moment. Is, right? it a, is it a fitty this day in sports history if the Mets, the Cowboys... I don't feel like we get a lot of Tar Heels. We get a lot of Mets and Cowboys stuff, though. But it's because he talks about the Tar Heels all throughout the other parts of the show. And really, this is the time to put the Cowboys on a pedestal. And the Hurricanes host the Kings tonight. I was trying to get to NHL uh, scores 
as we were talking about what's on tap, but the computer was being slow. Any analysis on that game? Uh, I don't have any analysis <laughs> on that, but I do know the Kings are 28-18, but I know the Canes are just smoking, man. 32-9-8. and eight. Are they smoking or skating? Both. They smoking and skating. I hope they win if they're smoking while skating. That would be fantastic, and I would tune in to watch that. Even over maybe Duke, Wake Forest, I would tune in to watch the Carolina Hurricanes do that if they're able to win that game tonight. The Charlotte Hornets, we didn't get your prediction on this, Fiddy, but am I just setting you up to make another P.J. Washington block rate percentage frequency stat joke again, or are you actually going to give me a prediction on what they can do? No, I I do think the Bucks will win because I think the Bucks are clearly a much better team and it behooves the hornets to lose games um so yeah all right we're gonna do deal or no deal tomorrow i do have quite a bit of trade proposals that i can throw your way because the trade deadline is just 10 days away and it's going to be fascinating to see how mitch kupchak and the charlotte hornets operate because i don't know if terry rogier is going to be on this team anymore I mean, we're, we're talking about the Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to look up their schedule just to see how many games before the actual deadline hits on February 9th. But you have their game tonight against Milwaukee. You have two other road games that they're going to be facing. So the other road game they have after Milwaukee, Chicago, February 2nd, Detroit, February 3rd, Orlando, February 5th, Washington, February 8th. And then it's all said and done. Whoever's going to be on the other side outside of the buyout market, that is going to be the roster that is locked in for the rest of the season. So I, I, I'm i interested in who is going to be traded and if Terry Rozier is going to be locked in as a guy that a lot of people loved. If you are just talking about pure Hornets fandom, who do you think the fans would least like to see traded of all the possible candidates like Oubre, Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Mason Plumlee, oh, wow. especially with his resurgence this year having a breakout season? I'd go with Terry because Terry has the most moments out of any of them. Obviously, he has the ball in his hands a lot, being the scorer that he is. But I would say Terry, I think back to the game-winning shot that he hit uh, two years ago. I forgot what, it, uh, Toronto or something like that. We had two beauties as well against Golden yeah, State. Yeah, so I would say Terry. That's right, Golden State. Yeah, I would say Terry. Terry Rozier, people loved, and I always was worried a little bit about the contract, but Terry would be somebody that everybody made fun of when you traded Kimball Walker, and, and when you got him in return, everybody's like, oh, basically you traded him for nothing, and then he actually became something yeah. here. And, and so I, I think that's really interesting, the fact that he had that career arc here in this city, and so we'll see exactly what happens. Logo704 said Terry can go, but he wants to keep Kelly Oubre, your boy, Fitty. You want to keep Kelly Oubre, or are you uh, willing to trade him at the deadline? No, I mean, I think you got to move on from him, because I think his value will never be higher. You never asked which player I'd be least happy to see go i'm i'm afraid but go ahead who is the player oh for me it's pj washington why is that because if he's not in charlotte when will when will Brittany renner be back i don't think she's here right now (laughs) i think that i think that i think that left quite a long time ago so your reason uh you shouldn't care anymore if pj washington does get traded to a different team that'll do it for wesson walker a fiery spicy version of wesson walker plus we had all the frank reich audio we'll have that tomorrow as well after 24 hours start to break down a little bit more of his commentary but you can also hear frank Wright coming up in just a moment your new carolina panthers head coach is going to be joining kyle bailey alongside smoke ludwig in just a few moments it's coming up next here on sports radio 92.7 fm wfnz